Well, actually, we are ready to begin the seventh chapter of Hebrews this morning. But instead, I'm going to do what our author just did. I'm going to take a little side trip. You know, after introducing the priesthood of Jesus and stating that he is a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, he went off on a tangent and challenged his readers to listen to what he was going to say. He then warned them of the consequences of failing to grow spiritually. In the seventh chapter, he will pick up his primary thought and continue his teaching on the Melchizedekian priesthood of Jesus. And as he does, he will mention something seven times in the first ten verses of that seventh chapter that I think we need to explore a bit before going on. Seven times he mentions tithing. Now, tithing, as you probably know, is the practice of giving 10% of our income to the Lord and the Lord's work. It's something that many Christians believe in and practice faithfully, but something that others choose to ignore. Well, I don't want you to be dull of hearing this morning. I want to challenge you to listen and to grow. We don't talk about money very often at Chatham Christian Church. And as you probably notice, we seldom have ever asked you to give more than you've purposed in your heart to give. But we do need to challenge one another on occasion to rethink the matter of giving and make sure we understand what God expects of us. And that is where tithing comes in. For tithing gives us a way to calculate what God expects of us personally. And contrary to what some believe, tithing isn't just a requirement for those living under the law. Tithing, I'm convinced, is something every one of us should be doing. And to make sure we understand that, we're going to take a pretty thorough look at tithing this morning. We're going to look at tithing before the law, tithing in the law, tithing under the law, and tithing after the law. When we finish, I think we'll be able to see that tithing isn't something we can simply dismiss as a requirement of the law that has no bearing on we who live under grace. We begin with a look at tithing before the law. The references to tithing in the seventh chapter of Hebrews all relate to the very first instance of tithing found in Scripture. The occasion was Abraham's giving of one-tenth of the spoils of war to Melchizedek. We read of it in Genesis 14, 18 through 20. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now, he was a priest of God Most High. And he blessed him. He blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham, gave him, Melchizedek, a tenth of all. God had given Abraham the victory over his enemies, and Melchizedek, a priest of God Most High, 
had blessed him, Abraham responded by giving to Melchizedek one-tenth of all of the spoils of the battle. Now, as far as we know, no one had told Abraham that giving a tenth was an appropriate way to express his gratitude to God for his protection and his blessing. But he did it. And in doing so, he established a precedent that others followed. In Genesis 28:22, after dreaming of a ladder extending from earth to heaven with angels ascending and descending on it, Jacob promised to give God one-tenth if he would be with him on his journey, provide for his needs, and guide him safely home. I assume Jacob fulfilled that vow. If that's the case, both Abraham and Jacob tithed before tithing was required by the law. They did so as an expression of gratitude in response to God's blessing. And those are the only references to tithing before we find tithing in the law. In Leviticus 27, 30 through 34, we read, Thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If, therefore, a man wishes to redeem part of his tithe, he shall add to it one-fifth of it. And for every tenth part of herd or flock, whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. He's not to be concerned whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. Or if he does exchange it, then both it and its substitute shall become holy. It shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the sons of Israel at Mount Sinai. Now, I have to acknowledge that I don't understand all that was involved in redeeming items that had been dedicated to the Lord. Apparently, the law established a way a man could buy back some items that he wanted to keep for himself. But one thing is clear. A tithe of the land, the seed of the land and the fruit of the tree, was to be considered holy. It belonged to the Lord. And every tenth head of livestock belonged to the Lord. Tithing was now written into the law. It was commanded by God, and Moses relayed it to the sons of Israel at Mount Sinai. What had initially been a voluntary, spontaneous thing was now required of God's people. And God had a purpose for it. With the giving of the law came the establishment of a formal priesthood and what we might call organized religion. And the tithe was needed to support it. In Numbers 18, 21, we read, And to the sons of Levi, behold, I have given all the tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service, which they perform, the service of the tent of meeting. And in verse 24, for the tithe of the sons of Israel, which they offer as an offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. 
God was now requiring that his people tithe to support the work of the Levites. They were those who ministered in the tabernacle and carried the religious equipment that they needed throughout the wilderness. And then the Levites were told to tithe what they received from the people to support the high priest and his family. I think this is very interesting. We read of that in verses 25 through 28. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Moreover, you shall speak to the Levites and say to them, When you take from the sons of Israel the tithe which I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall present an offering from it to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe. And your offering shall be reckoned to you as the grain from the threshing floor or the full produce from the wine vat. So you shall also present an offering to the Lord from your tithes, which you receive from the sons of Israel. And from it you shall give the Lord's offering to Aaron the priest. I think Leviticus makes it pretty clear that tithing was mandated for all of God's people, even those whose income came from the tithes of others. Obviously, that has bearing on a preacher today. Tithing was also included in the statutes and commandments that were restated in Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law. In Deuteronomy 14.22, we read, You shall surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes out of the field every year. Now, that much is clear. However, it does get a little confusing as we read on in Deuteronomy because it then tells them to eat the tithe in the presence of the Lord as a religious celebration. And then there is mention of a tithe that was to be deposited every third year in each town as a welfare program for aliens, orphans, and widows, as well as the Levites. Now, some scholars suggest that these were additional tithes, which would mean the Israelites gave 20 or 30 percent of their income to meet religious obligations, 10 percent for the support of the priests and the tabernacle, 10% for religious celebrations, and another 10% at least once every three years for the needs of others. Now, not everyone agrees with that interpretation of the law. Some believe these were merely allocations of the tithe, and that may be the case. You know, 20 to 30% is a lot. But one thing they all do agree on is that the Israelites were required by law to give at least 10% of their income to the Lord. And when they had done so, they were to say, I have listened to the voice of the Lord my God. I have done according to all that thou hast commanded me. The law commanded God's people to tithe. But that doesn't mean everyone always obeyed the law. And on occasion, those living under the law had to be reminded of the need to obey the law concerning tithing. When King Hezekiah was trying to restore the temple after years of neglect, he commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves 
to the law of the Lord. And according to Second Chronicles 31.5, as soon as the order spread, the sons of Israel provided in abundance the first fruits of grain, new wine, oil, honey, and of all the produce of the field. They brought in a tithe of everything. Hezekiah's reforms, however, were short-lived. And eventually the nation was punished for its disobedience and taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. When the people were later allowed to return, Nehemiah reestablished tithing as the means of supporting the priests and Levites. And when he reprimanded them by asking, why is the house of God forsaken? They responded by bringing the tithe into the storehouse. The prophet Amos would later have to remind the people that tithing didn't buy the right to disregard other matters of the law. But Malachi made it very clear that to fail to tithe was to rob God. And without a doubt, the most quoted passage on tithing, one I'm sure you've heard before, is from Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Besides the warning that to fail to tithe is to rob God, Malachi offered the promise of God's blessing to those who would tithe. He challenged us to test God in the matter of tithing and see if he wouldn't pour out a blessing until it overflows. He also promised that God would rebuke the devourer if we'd tithe. I like that. That he would protect us from excessive loss and make what we have go further if we'd tithe. Now, I don't believe these promises are limited to people living under the law. I have tested God in this matter and have found him faithful. I believe in tithing after the law. Now, Jesus spoke of tithing twice, and on both occasions, he was condemning the Pharisees for hypocrisy. In Luke 11:42 we read, "But woe to you Pharisees, for you pay tithe of mint and rue and every kind of garden herb, and yet disregard justice and the love of God. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others." And in Matthew 23, 23 through 24, "Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites!" For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, 
and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. (laughs) Jesus had a sense of humor. He was upbraiding the Pharisees for majoring in minors. They tithed the smallest of seeds from their gardens, carefully counting out every tenth seed and put it in a pile for God. And then they ignored the weightier matters of the law. They ignored showing mercy and justice and faithfulness and the love of God. And they were upbraided for that. But do notice on both occasions when Jesus spoke of tithing, he never said that they shouldn't tithe. On both occasions, he added, these things are the things you should have done, mercy and justice and so forth, without neglecting the others. He's not saying they should neglect tithing. Now, I realize they were still living under the law when he spoke those words. And I also realize that there's no further reference to tithing outside the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. But I do not believe we should therefore conclude that tithing is not to be practiced by God's people today. It's not commanded. We don't live under the law. But giving proportionally to one's income is still expected. When Paul was encouraging the Gentile churches to give for the relief of Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, he wrote in 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 2, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches in Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, let each one of you put aside and save as he may prosper, that no collections be made when I come. Now, whether they were to save the money at home or at the church isn't specified. But Paul does make it clear that they were to be saving regularly and proportionally as each one prospered for the offering that would be received when he got to town. Then in 2 Corinthians 9, he wrote, For it is superfluous for me to write to you about this ministry to the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely that Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I have sent the brethren that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case, that, as I was saying, you may be prepared Lest if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, should be put to shame by this confidence. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift, that the same might be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. Now this I say. He who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly 
are under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness abides forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all, while they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, again, tithing isn't specified here. But planned, bountiful, cheerful giving that meets the needs of the church and brings glory to God is said to result in God's abounding grace on a physical level. We're told that God will enrich us for all liberality and will make sure we have sufficiency in everything, including an abundance for doing good, for sharing, for giving to others, if we'll sow bountifully. Now, that sounds a lot to me like the promises that accompany tithing in Malachi. So while tithing is no longer commanded, I'm still convinced it's appropriate. And I believe it's expected of believers. It is still an appropriate response to God's provision and protection. It's a fair way to share the expenses of organized worship, education, evangelism, and benevolence. And it expresses trust in God's promise to meet our needs and to bless us. Now, I realize tithing is not easy because we always seem to need more than we make. But I'm convinced anyone can tithe if they really want to. Giving 10% is asking no more of someone making $10,000 a year than it is for someone making $100,000 a year. It is proportional giving. If you gross, and a tithe should always be figured on gross personal income, Tithing off net income, what's left after you take out taxes and benefits and medical and educational and other personal expenses, obviously is not the whole tithe. If you gross 10000 a year and divide your giving into 50 weeks, which is easier to figure than 52, you will give $20 a week. If you gross 100000 it's $200 a week. You can approximate 
your tithe by figuring $20 per week for every 10000 you gross. If you make 30000 a year, it's $60 a week. 50000 is $100 a week, and so forth. Or, if you'd rather, you can figure it on each paycheck. Just take your gross income before anything is deducted, add in any benefits and allowances, and multiply it by 10%. That's your tithe for that pay period. You know, the math really isn't very hard. What's hard is making a commitment to do it and getting started. Now, if you're honestly stretched so tight that it's impossible to give 10% off the bat, I say start with a smaller percentage and then work your way up to 10% and then go beyond if God so blesses. Just make sure your giving is proportional. Don't just give what's in your pocket or what's left at the end of the week or what you've given for the last 10 years. Plan your giving carefully. Make it an appropriate expression of your gratitude to God for his past blessings and an expression of your confidence in his promise to bless you in the future. If you'll do that and practice good stewardship with the 90% that remains, God will see to it that your needs are met. And he'll pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. You have his word on that. You know, tithing is always something that makes us a little uncomfortable to talk about. But I think it's really important. As I said earlier, I've tested God in this. I've, I've confessed many times I'm not really that great with money. I don't have classes on how you should budget your funds. I tried writing a budget once and it scared me to death. The only thing I do is I try to be a good steward. I give 10% off the top and I trust God will meet my needs. And he always has. He always has. I think tithing is a great joy. And I would encourage you, encourage you, to really give it hard thought if, if it's something you've not considered before. Not so we can have more money, but just so your heart can be right. I think it's a great joy. It's a great joy. And, you know, if it actually shocks you to discover that God expects 10% of your income, let me remind you that he actually expects more than that. He expects us to respond to his grace by dying to self and giving him our all. You know, there's an old hymn. It's not in our current hymnal that uh, is almost as hard to sing as it is to put into practice, but it, I think, puts it, puts it well. What will it cost me? To follow the Lord? What is the price of a life that's restored? If I am willing to walk in His way, what is the price I must pay? Everything. All that I own, all that I am, 
all that I love. You know, we don't buy God's grace through giving. But if we have received his grace, we give back. We give him ourselves. Tithing, I think, is a very practical way to do that. And to have the assurance that you're doing what's, what's right. You know, I don't like us living in kind of a la-la land of maybe I'm doing enough, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm good enough, maybe I'm not good enough. You know, we're not saved by what we do. You're not going to be saved because you tithe, okay? Or you're not going to be kicked out of heaven because you don't. We don't live under the law. We live under grace. But if we understand what's been given to us, we want to give back appropriately. I think this makes sense. And it's easy to figure, even for someone who's mathematically challenged. And I do have to confess, when I was looking over those figures and that this week, I'm, I'm going, now, wait a minute here. And I got up my calculator and I changed things a few times. And then I was also shocked because I forgot that... Uh, my insurance premium has gone up. I haven't kept track on my tithing, so there'll be a little adjustment next week. I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing for us. Honor God with a tithe, and he'll bless you. His word guarantees it. Let's stand and say